Natalie Jackson and this is Sea Sporty Be Sporty. It's season three and we're talking to some legends of English football, but maybe not ones you've heard much from before. Why? Because it's a Euros summer and this year the women's Euros are in England. England 2022 is happening all across England from Sheffield to Southampton and we're getting excited about it. We have talked to some uh, brilliant legends of English football and um, I think we've widened it for today because we are talking in my mind to an absolute legend of women's sport and I am super excited. I will give you, I'll give you the formal intro. Um, today's guest is um, an activist who is absolutely driving positive change in women's sport. She is co-founder of the Women's Sport Collective, host of the Game Changers podcast, CEO of Fearless Women and a founding trustee of the Women's Sport Trust. She was awarded an MBE in 2018 for her services to grassroots and women's sport. And her book, Game on the Unstoppable Rise of Women's Sport, was longlisted for the William Hill Sports Book of the Year 2021 and shortlisted for the Sunday Times Sports Book Awards 2022. And last year, she was shortlisted for the Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year Changemaker Award. Welcome, the fabulous <laughs> Sue Anstice. <laughs> Thank you. What a fantastic introduction. That's very lovely. Thank you. Very kind. <laughs> Do you know what, Sue? I, I thought it's a very long intro. I tried to shorten it, but I couldn't. <laughs> it was all too good. <laughs> busy, busy. <laughs> Do you know, it struck me as though if there was a card game of the things to be involved in in women's sport, you would have the full set. <laughs> You're winning. Uh, top trumps definitely you yeah you've out out trumped everybody off it um before we lead in and dive in talk about more about the work that you do uh, we do need to get to know you a little better and i understand you are a podcast listener so you, you are well versed with the game 11 things everyone should know about sue hansters i'll be spontaneous though i haven't overthought them <laughs> no that's always dangerous okay are you ready yeah, I know I'm going to fail the first one because I have, have, have thought about that one. I don't think there's a fail. It's not a pass or fail kind of situation. <laughs> okay, let's go. Cake or pie? Yeah, since I'm going to fail, I just really don't know. I think probably pie. I think probably pie. Okay, we'll take it. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Um, definitely dogs. And I've since realised that you've got a miniature schnauzer too. I have. I'm, so have I. I'm a miniature oh, schnauzer owner. We can bond oh, over the schnauzers at the very beginning. I have kicked Fergal out because he is a very noisy creature. How is yours? What have you got? He's just gone out for a walk. It'll, I will, he'll be back in a bit. I'll, I'll show him to you at the end. Yes, please. What's his name? <laughs> his name's Cooper. 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 Oh, love a miniature schnauzer. Oh, oh, forget the rest of the podcast. Let's talk about <laughs> miniature schnauzer. Um, invisibility or super strength? Um, invisibility. Warm weather or cold weather? Uh, definitely warm weather. Uh, love Actually or Bend It Like Beckham? <laughs> so I feel I should say Bend It Like Beckham, but Love Actually is my all-time favourite film, so it can only be Love Actually. It's a, it's a close run, though. Um, hot chocolate or coffee? Yeah, you see, this is a difficult one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee every day, but probably hot chocolate would be the... If I was offered one or the other, I would go hot chocolate. Digital watch or analogue watch? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's another good questions, aren't they? Good <laughs> questions. I haven't worn a watch for decades, 
and I don't, I really, I used to have my Garmin, I was really into the tech from swimming and whatever, and I don't wear that at all. So probably analogue, I think, because I'm a bit anti the logging and tracking every element of your life. Box sets or movies? I almost went to the cinema yesterday. I do love the idea of going to the cinema and I love going, don't go enough, so probably box set in reality of life. But special occasions, movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, singing or dancing? Um, dancing, I think, physical moving, yes, yeah. Uh, watching football or watching tennis? <laughs> Uh, probably tennis. <laughs> Last one, cardio or weights? Um, uh, I'm a little similar, I listen to Karen's podcast, which I think I'm very similar to Karen in that I like uh, endurance and, and cardio, but probably need to do more weights. Like most middle-aged women, I should be doing more strength training, so yeah. I feel the same. I, yeah, I'm much more into the patio. Oh, interesting. I love it. I love also the... <laughs> I think most people are not listeners to the podcast before they, before they hear these <laughs> questions. So I felt, but we gave you too long to think about it. I should have mixed them up. <laughs> didn't, I didn't do any better by knowing what was coming, though. Did I still put you on the spot to answer them? I mean, again, it's not a pass or fail sort of no. situation. You, you did very well. I enjoyed it. <laughs> we learned. We learned more about you. Oh, so... Up to you talk about and in the podcast you you use this phrase game changers and I think it is just such a great title for anything but it's it's such a great descript descriptor descriptive phrase for you for the work that you do you're involved in all sorts of ways in changing the game for women's sport which is the phrase that you use a lot I know changing the game and game changers um and I know you did a lot of sport as a child. So let, let's start there. Let's, let's go back there. What was your experience of sport as a child? Um, my family was very sporty. So my dad was a, a physical training instructor in the Metropolitan Police. So he was very, always very keen on sport and sport was very much part of our lives. So I'm, I've got a twin brother and I've got two older brothers too. So I think just generally as a family, we we're all quite sporty and I um, swam and that was my kind of my keys. What play there like, many people everything at school netball hockey athletics etc um but kind of swimming is kind of the one I did to a higher level when I was young and then running so track and field as well too but uh yeah a bit of everything really I was a bit of a jack of all trades I wasn't um when I went off to university I got there and discovered there were people that done the most amazing kind of international level stuff so I was never like a Jenny Meadows and others I was um I was always not bad not bad at lots of things so yeah that was kind of my general background all sorts of things, swimming and you've done triathlon and <laughs> you've done triathlon later on though. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, I, in my 40s, I kind of came to triathlon. So a bit of, I think I've continued to run. My whole life running has been probably not in the last five years with a bit of a dodgy hip. But at, until that, running had always been the bit I'd gone back to, just running. And then um, I loved the open water swimming, started doing a bit more of that. Uh, in 2012, I think I did a sort of charity challenge that involved 12, 12 in 12, 12 challenges in 12 months. And one of those was a, a sprint triathlon and I really liked it and thought, oh, I could do more of this. So yeah, I really got into it in the next kind of three or four years um, and did some of the age group stuff that you can do in um, triathlon and obviously masters athletics and so on too. So it was really nice to take it a bit seriously a bit later uh and yeah really good very time consuming but fantastic i really loved it really enjoyed it 
And what level did you get to with that? So I did, it's very interesting with age groups that you can, you're in bands of five-year age groups and you can compete for your country. So I never did it mm. as a child or a teenager, but I did get to have a, um, my GB vest and my, you know, my name on, on my <laughs> triathlon suit. So I competed in three world championships and European championships. You kind of qualify, um, so many people qualify in each age group. So uh, yeah, it's great. Another great thing to be able to be involved with and I say to come to a bit later in my mid to late 40s is really good. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I think it's, and you've, I've, I know, I think it was in your book maybe that I read that you had teachers at school who just normalised that love for sport. That love for sport wasn't, wasn't something that you felt, you weren't the weird girl necessarily. You didn't feel that growing up, is that right? Yeah, I guess a bit. I went to an all-girls school. I do think I was probably... Uh, when I look back now, I was the only one that was coming in with wet hair of the morning from early morning swimming or would go off at, do athletics at the weekends and so on. So I probably was um, uh, a little bit different in that I was very sporty and did love all kinds of sport. Um, but yeah, I think, I say, you mentioned the Game Changers podcast earlier. So many women that I talk to, it's about PE teachers, isn't it? I think we sometimes forget just that importance of those key influences. And so often it is the PE teacher um, that either facilitated it. So my PE teacher, Miss Turney, at primary school, that encouraged me to swim and got me into swimming championships. And you kind of then jump forward and think, actually, that's the bit that then propelled me into university and into my job. And actually from that, you know, one woman that encouraged me to swim then opened all those other doors for me in sports. So, yeah, PE teachers, I think, just play such an important part that we sometimes uh, not overlook, but, but it, they're not always those that we talk about most. Yeah, and I, I love the word normalising. I think it is just so much about them just not acting like it's a strange thing to do. You know, it is it is normal to be physically active and particularly if you do have talents in certain areas, it's it's great to have that encouraged. So yeah, completely. Um, you then fast forward a little bit. You moved on to work as an adult in marketing, sports marketing. You ended up founding your own PR firm at 26. Is this true? <laughs> yes it is but only because I lost my job so it is good but it's almost like the the bad bit that led to the good bit so I was working at the time for Gatorade the American sports drink um, in sports marketing um, and ho- hopefully they'll be due to launch in the UK so it's all the preparation for them coming to the UK and then they chose not to so I had a I worked for a little while in Brussels I was like back and forth working in in Europe and then um yeah, they, I took redundancy because I didn't want to move full-time to work as lovely as Belgium was. I didn't want to, I was at the age, I didn't want to live there full-time. Uh, so I was made redundant. And at that point, I set up my own agency and then they came on board. They were one of my first clients um, as, a, as a brand. And then I yeah, worked lots in, in the fitness sector, um, primarily for the first 10 years or so. So yeah, I set up my own agency. Which, and I, I, know, I know people said, oh, it was really brave at that time, but it didn't really feel brave at the time because I always thought if it didn't work out, I'd just go and get a job. Like I didn't have massive outgoings. I wasn't like I was had a family dependent on me or um, it was just a nice thing to experiment with. I'll just try it myself and see where it goes to. I love hearing stories about particularly women founders of things because I think... And I don't know if I'm just not looking in the right places, but I think I, I feel like we don't have visibility necessarily of female founders. I remember when Emily Freeman and I were starting Totally Runnable, we named it at my kitchen table. We had an office in my back bedroom and I was reading and rereading um, the founders of Not on the High Street, uh, Holly Tucker and Sophie Cornish. I was rereading and rereading. They had a book called How to Start 
a business from your kitchen table or something, something like that. And we, that was literally what we were doing. And I remember reading and rereading that. Um, how, when you first started that, because I think as much as, and people say to us, oh, it's brave, it's brave. And yet, and at the time it feels natural and you feel like, oh, well, like, you know, I've got plans otherwise. But how, how did you, because we, there were two of us. So I feel like you would by yourself doing it. What, how did you have an office? Were you at the kitchen table in the back bedroom? What, yeah, what back was bedroom. Setup? <laughs> <laughs> I had a house and I had gone back to work. Um, I bought a house in Heston in Hounslow, which is where my parents were near there. And that's where in Southall, that's where Quaker Oats were based. So that's why I was kind of living there. But I had a house with a little tiny box bedroom and that's what I converted into my little office. So it's really fun. When I think back now, it is that novelty of having your own space and I do remember always thinking I'd gone to where it was PC World to get my um my fax machine and I had my roller decks this is 94 so it's a long time ago uh and you know I didn't really I wasn't really well there was a computer but like a huge computer took up most of my desk um but that whole it always felt a bit like when I was a girl playing with toy shops and that having your own little bags and weighing out your sweets and like pretending and for some reason when I think back now that was the feeling that I had it almost didn't feel real like it was a bit make-believe to have business cards and a logo and compliment slips and all that stuff so yeah it felt like a like a really nice novelty and I have found some of the workings out the financials of you know like such a tiny place to start the business you no know, the income that I needed to make it work from my back bedroom so yeah so that it, it was a, like a, the novelty side and I'm pleased I did it on my own I, I remember at the time taking some advice of someone saying and it, obviously it's really worked out for you but but almost I was always free to do my own thing make my own decisions and I think as you do I did it for 26 years so further on you begin to feel it would be lovely to have a support for someone else, to bounce ideas off of, to share the joys and the challenges of running a business. But actually just the freedom at the beginning stages definitely to go where I wanted to with it and do what I wanted was a was a fantastic thing too. Had you always thought you might run a business when you were like sort of playing shops and stuff? Is that was that in your mind or not? Yeah, I don't think so. That's a good question. I've not been asked that before. No, I don't think so. And I think if I hadn't been maybe dungeon from Quaker, I definitely would have stayed on the um, fast moving consumer goods FMCG, the big brands. I thought I wanted to go and work in a sponsorship agency. I think that was definitely the route I would have taken. And I look around at some of the amazing women that work in sport now. Um, you know the women running agencies or senior women in sports agencies and brands and and sporting bodies and I think that's probably where I would have where I feel I would have gone to I don't think at the time I pictured myself as a CEO of a sports national governing body or a um, head of a sports sponsorship agency but I feel that was the route that I was on that was the path I was on I'd never considered um setting up my own business it's really interesting isn't it so you've got me thinking there but I had don't think I had ever seen anyone doing that so if I think about the whole my parents my mum worked in a primary school she was a secretary at primary school so she'd been there for 20 she was there for 21 years she'd been there forever my dad had been in the police force and then he became a London cab driver but he'd had a career you know they were like in quite cool careers my eldest brother was a doc um my eldest brother was an immigration officer civil servant my brother was a doctor my twin brother was a head teacher so we were all in quite traditional uh, serving people interestingly kind of careers but quite um, careers that you would go into and you knew what you were and I was a little bit I remember even at, when I was at Cabaret's and then at Quaker Oats I, I wasn't really I struggled a bit with that I wasn't really anything I liked a bit of this and I did a bit of that but I didn't feel like I was a lawyer or a, an accountant or I didn't have a profession in that way I was a bit of different things um, but yeah you got me thinking there in terms of that where you get that inspiration from or who I'd seen you know whether it was what's it the 
body shop or an erotic or where I've been inspired to think I could do my own thing. Don't I don't know. Oh, I love it. I love thinking about stuff like that. I think because um, I remember doing that. I remember having small little games. You know, you play, you play in your shops and you line up here. My grandparents used to come and babysit us on a Friday night and they would line up all the little chocolate bars and I would do yeah. the show. Basically, it was just a glorified way of pick a chocolate that you want. Yeah. She got but a retailer. Why were we not in retail then? <laughs> we haven't thought it through. But yeah, but I, I likewise never really saw myself running a business even even when I was a solicitor I remember my dad saying to me oh you know would you like to run your own firm and I was like oh no no I just but I yeah you end up and I, I feel the same about having that sort of like my job now I think is a complete mishmash of different things and what you want to do and what you're passionate about you you can have that freedom to do that so yeah I would definitely recommend it to people um but yeah I love the hearing sort of story your story and, and how it how it came about that visibility piece I just think is super important um and I, it moves on nicely actually to to another topic that I'd love to talk to you about visibility and network and we use that phrase if you can't see it you can't be it that sort of that sort of um vibe super important I think for women in general um and I know that myself my business partners Jenny Meadows and Emily Freeman we have all loved the last couple of years being part of the women's sport collective and um I don't know maybe how much you feel that because we haven't actually met in real life everything has been so virtual um and I think for for us we're based in the north of England we are often quite far from the things going on you know we have some some big flagship events for for women in sport in the north but other than that we are maybe a bit far from London or where the the action's happening and and I love that in even during lockdowns and things we were able to get online get connected with like-minded women also working in a stereotypical maybe non-female space and you, I mean, you have, I'm saying we're in the north of England, you have members of the Women's Sport Collective all over the world, don't you? <laughs> we're not that far from the action. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. It's like 85 different countries now. So and I'm, actually, I'm hoping to go to New Zealand later in the year for the uh, Rugby World Cup, the Women's Rugby World Cup, and a conference out there too. Um, and we're talking about you know, doing something more for women in the Women's Sport Collective that are in Australia and New Zealand in terms of just uh, launching or doing a bit more there too. So absolutely, that's the most amazing part I think is that you could be on one of our the networking calls and I had the most amazing one was with a woman who is from Nepal she runs a women's trekking company in Nepal it's like oh how amazing that I've got my lunchtime chat and I'm suddenly connected to this extraordinary you know then many extraordinary women but she was one that I thought this is just brilliant isn't it um yeah so that's I guess that's one of the joyful things about it is that we have connected and actually we Kate and I were talking just this morning Kate Hannon who co-founded the collective with me about that whole positioning of it is absolutely a network in every way but the online piece of it is almost the most important part of it and although I love getting people together where we can at events and I love in you know face-to-face contact and networking and getting to know people actually the the online nature of it forced upon us through covid but actually is the bit that has made it so powerful and we don't want to lose that bit now moving forward that the fact that you can just give an hour of your time to jump on a call with 50 amazing women from across the world but across the sports sector isn't something you could do in person so i do think the the in-person connection there's nothing like meeting somebody face to face and and being at an event with them um but there's just so much more, so much advantage to, to keeping it online too. 
Definitely. I mean, we, I think about the people we've connected with through, through those networking sort of lunch times, and then you go off into a breakout room. I was yeah. in a breakout room with Edith Zuschman from Fearless, 261 Fearless, and yeah. we got chatting. We've chatted since. Uh, she put me in touch with Dr. Juliet McGrattan, who we interviewed on the podcast last month for, um, about mental health and running. I, I just think, I don't know when otherwise our paths would have crossed. And I, I think there's so much value in that. And I think that's the thing. It's, it's lovely to hear that from you because actually we don't always hear. We're looking now at how we can almost find a portal where people can just dump in all the interactions and the things that are happening through the collective because there's 4,500 members now. And obviously these every time we talk to somebody, they have, they're not coming along for no reason. They are making connections and whether they're getting jobs, business opportunities, just you know, learning more. Um, but, and it's, so it's wonderful for us to hear this but sometimes it, it's almost like you forget the ripple effect of all these things that are going on every meet and every now and again someone posted linkedin like we there was a group down in brighton last week or they're both at the old bright club they were like we're in london and we've got together and there were six women from the collective that have met and so we love that spontaneousness because that's where the beauty of it is is almost that organic part of the growth so you've spoken to edith and then you've interviewed other you know and so, and so it goes on and it and it grows it without there's only two of us, so without we can only do so much to make it happen, and then it it's, has a life of its own, really. And I always recommend it to anybody sort of coming in and asking, you know, if we're doing any mentoring, if we're doing any um, work experience things for anybody, I always recommend it. So if anybody's listening and maybe would like to have a, a some sort of role, whether it's paid volunteer role, but anything within women's sport, it's absolutely the go-to first place you should be, because that's where... Everybody is. <laughs> and it's free. It's completely free as well. I, so that's I think the best true. bit. <laughs> it's the no. accessibility though, I think, because I think we would still be a part of something that was paid, but actually maybe those people coming through and wondering what they want to do and wondering what jobs are there and the visibility of the jobs, you know, the speakers that you have come and talk, there are so many jobs within women's sport. Um, and I know, you know, even as a solicitor, I remember looking and thinking, maybe I could do some sport law because I was really interested in being a part of it. And actually, that this would have been a really great place to, to just open my eyes to how many different sports careers there are and women doing it. Yeah, so I definitely think if anybody uh, hasn't already and would like to, they need to be a part of it for sure. Um, when you first started that, though, was that the aim or what was your aim with it? What is it for you? Um I guess it started in lockdown. So I think we'd done a little bit when I had run the agency in the past. Um, I'd done some work around kind of bringing together women that we were working with in different uh, areas, different organisations and so on, and bringing them together with lunches, just informally letting them network in the way that we knew we had those connections. I love connections and networking, um, but bringing them together there. And then during lockdown, we just felt we could replicate that online. So we started with... Um, 70 women that we kind of knew in, in comms and in sport as CEOs and so on and, and in agencies and then it grew from that really so it was just an initial couple of, sort of on, a, on a weekly basis just getting together and chatting and then it evolved from there so I don't, I don't think we, thought we didn't have ambitions but we never thought it would grow as rapidly and as hugely as it has which is so you know it's fantastic it definitely is so this series is all about football. We're celebrating the Women's Euros. You are on countless boards. I did try and list them all and I thought the introduction, <laughs> we take up the whole podcast just introducing them. But you are on the board of Lewis Football Club, aren't I you? I am. I am. I feel a Lewis um, theme on your podcast. I know. That was unintentional, but I'm fine with it. Because <laughs> they're so all fantastic see... women, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if that's where all the fantastic women are, that's where we need to be. Um, 
what you football isn't has never really been your sort of one sport but what do you love about um lewis and the work that they're doing yeah i guess it's it's interesting and i said i did listen to karen's podcast and i'm quite similar to karen and that football wasn't really my sport my dad was a chelsea fan uh, but we're much more rugby and I guess I'm more across many sports and especially men's football. I've never been a fan of men's football, but I think uh, almost coming to Lewis is probably the first time I would be a fan of football just because I'm a fan of all that they are doing in terms of trying to change that narrative around what football stands for and represents. And I do see if we want, I see sport as a way to change society and behaviour and attitudes. And if you're going to do that through sport, you can't ignore football because it is just so um hugely a part of society and you know it's the world's most popular sport so um so for that reason you kind of need to get involved and support it and I do feel very differently about the women's game than I than I do about the men's even even now me too I think it is if you haven't been around women's football and haven't seen what's going on with it it might surprise you how different it is I think on that note around doing what we can and going where sort of where where the where the active activism where the activism is i wanted to talk about your book so um i have it here not everybody can have one of these because this is a signed copy that i have <laughs> <laughs> and i um what i love about so it's it's part history part some science right in there there's there's um part answer to the question of when people talk about oh well why does tennis why do women only play three sets and men play five? Oh, it's sort of the answers to those things um it's part manifesto i know i've heard you call it and i think it definitely is like a rally and cry type type bit but you have 10 steps that we can all take to um further the agenda here to be part of the mission and i think it does need to be something that you know is it it, it takes a village and and this sort of thing it definitely is so um i i, I won't put you on the spot and make you i was gonna say that up. i've got my own copy <laughs> Go here so if you're gonna do got? that i'll just i'm just gonna very discreetly open the pages <laughs> to remind myself things, of my thing. 10 things yes. that sue says <laughs> but what i really liked i wanted to pick out my my couple of favorite ones i i liked um calling out the media when we're seeing unequal coverage. And I think that has to be something. I will often try and do that on Twitter. Um, other people, I like it when other people do that. And it can be, you know, you can feel like you are one random voice saying, hey, how about this? But I think actually if we're all doing that and we're all going, oh yeah, that, I really think that's an important part of the piece for me. Um, and I liked the um, taking part in sport and encouraging the women and girls in your life to do the same. And I think a lot of the people that we work with, particularly women who might work in schools or, you know, that sort of thing, might sometimes feel when we talk to them that they don't have, they, they weren't necessarily sporty at school or they weren't the best in the class at whatever. But actually, there is so much power in them just doing the small things to, it comes full circle, it comes to normalising it, normalising physical activity for themselves and for the women and girls in their lives. Um, if you had to pick a favourite of these 10, which would you pick? Um, it is interesting, isn't it? And I think the calling out is so important and the way in which we call it out. And I definitely think there's there's power to be had in amplifying other people's voices when they're doing things too. I do feel, um, and if, again, I'm going to mention another amazing woman from Lewis, Kelly Lindsay, who's um, sporting director there. But Kelly talks about going to watch, turn up, watch and, and support women's sport. And I think sometimes, not that it should only fall on women to do that, uh, but actually we talk about it, we see the power of it. And so encouraging others to watch, to 
share to um be involved with i think i do think that is is really important too and a bit of the whole supporting the sponsors and the partners and we you know, there's research that shows people are twice as likely to buy a product or, re- or refer a product to somebody else from a sponsor of women's sport than they are of men's sport so so fans of sport men and women who are fans of women's sport are much more likely to buy and endorse so i do think i try to do that myself but almost not choosing necessarily where you bank on who you what car you drive and so on but it but almost making some of those choices to support the brands that are supporting women's sport I nearly bought some beer the other day. I'm not a big beer drinker, but they, they were sponsoring the women's Euros and I yeah, thought, oh, this is absolutely. good. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. A case in point. And then to make some like, noise oh, about this. it. Yeah. 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 I took some pictures. I'll tweet about it at some point. But yeah, exactly that. It, it is. It is exactly that. Um, okay. I have last question because I love the, um, I, I love the way you name things. I love Game On. I think Game On is a really like, so it is that rallying cry. Um, and I want to talk about the name... Um, just briefly before we finish, Fearless Women, because that is the sort of umbrella organisation that a lot of your things fall under. Um, and I like to think that I do brave things sometimes, but I am not fearless. <laughs> are, are you fearless? And oh, it's interesting. how can we be <laughs> more, fearless. more fearless? It's interesting, isn't it? Because well, even when we named it Fearless Women, it came from the Game Changers, because the, the subtitle of that is Fearless Women in Sport. And I, I had people said, are we fearless? Is it our women fearless? Do we want to be fearless or do we want to feel the fear? So there's a whole debate, isn't it? If lovely Pippa Grange yeah. talks about actually fear is not a bad thing, it's what we do with it and so on. So uh, I guess I'd like to feel that I'm trying to be fearless. And I think a bit of that is... Uh, the standing up and calling things out and and definitely in my life generally trying things that you may not feel confidence to do but uh, getting so much more from them when you do so I think it's probably come a bit of a theme across my life and being older I think you then feel that you can try those things too so yeah I think it's yeah each day go and try something new and different that scares you I think that's a really good thing. So I don't need to worry that things do scare me. That's good. It's good that they do. As long as you then go ahead and do them anyway. As long as I have to do them anyway. You. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I like it. Oh, so um, we are about to run out of time, Sue. Honestly, I could chat all day. But um, if we are looking to be a part of the mission, if we are looking to follow your journey and find out more about what you're doing, where is the best place for us to find you? So everything is at fearlesswomen.co.uk and you can sign up for... Women's Sport Collective, we've got an explore page with great books and podcasts and documentaries you can watch. There's more, all the game changes, you can listen to them from there. So everything, a weekly newsletter, changing the game, it's all on Fearless Women. Brilliant, perfect. Sue, thank you so much for chatting to us and being a part of the podcast today. Thank you so much, been a huge pleasure. You have been listening to C-Sporty, B-Sporty from Totally Runnable and C-Sporty, B-Sporty, C-I-C. For more from the team, find us at Totally Runnable on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. If you are loving our latest episode of the C Sporty B Sporty podcast, please, please leave us a review wherever you listen. Reviews are super important to small, self-produced, independent podcasts like C Sporty B Sporty, and yours will absolutely help other people hear it too. Thank you so much and have a fab day.